Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew uh, chapter 18. Matthew and chapter 18. <clears throat> we have been for several weeks talking about relationships, and and <clears throat> the as each week progresses, the um, discussion uh, gets a little deeper in into relationships and. Uh, today, well, last week we started talking specifically about forgiveness, and I read this. I read the statement. I'm going to read it again this morning. Uh, you'll probably hear it a couple times this morning. Uh, you'll probably hear it next week, and maybe even the week after. I don't know. But it's an important statement because it's a true statement. There is an incredible peace and freedom that comes when we let go of hurt, grudges, and anger and to forgive like Christ forgave us. This week I was doing some reading and <clears throat> and I came across a story that I want to share with you this morning that I think helps put in uh, perspective of what forgiveness... Uh, are, no, let me rephrase that. Some of the challenges that can come with forgiveness. Uh, because forgiveness has its challenges, does it not? <clears throat> a, a Christian attorney, after meditating on several scriptures, decided, well, let me stop right there. I didn't know a Christian could be an attorney. Any, no, I'm teasing. Um, <clears throat> I, there are several really good Christian attorneys, by the way. Um, anyway, he decided uh, to cancel the debt of all his clients that owed him money for more than six months. So he drafted a letter explaining his, his decision and its biblical basis and sent 17 debt-canceling debt letters via certified mail. One by one, the letters were returned by postal service, unsigned and undelivered. Perhaps a couple of people moved, but probably not likely. 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign or open the envelopes, fearing that the attorney was suing them for their debts. How profound. The very thing that was going to set them free from their debt was the very thing that they refused to read. See, we owe a debt. It's called sin to an almighty God. And he has given us the letter. He has provided the way out. All we have to do is accept it. Forgiveness can be extended to someone, but it doesn't have to be received. See, in the heart of the attorney, as I was, as I read the story, I, I several scenarios went through my mind, and I thought, and one of the scenarios that went through my mind is, you know, in the heart of the attorney, he was set free, but the people who didn't read the letters were still in bondage, and they didn't have to be. 
And we live in a world today that people need to be set free. All God requires of us is to do our part. Since we've been talking about relationships over the last several weeks, and particularly forgiveness last week, I've had a, a couple of people kind of ask me questions about forgiveness and the and the the elements of forgiveness. And one of the things that we have to remember is all God requires us is to, for us to do our part. We can't force anybody to accept it. That's on their that's on them. But God, all God wants us to do is our part. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart. And for the last 12 years, I have tried to teach and preach that there is one thing that God is after in your life, and that is your heart. Because if he has your heart, all of the other stuff is secondary. If God has your heart, then he has you. Today, we already talked about it. It's Palm Sunday. And, 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 and Jesus, some 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday, put into motion the ultimate act of forgiveness. I want you to, I want you to, to, to contemplate this during the week because really the, 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 the Passion Week is really about forgiveness, is it not? In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is an incredibly important passage or, or verse. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, okay, let's kind of back it up a little bit. And we'll talk probably in detail about this next Sunday, but how did people in the Old Testament get saved? Have you ever thought about that? See, people in the Old Testament got saved the same way we do today. Except the only difference is, like, like Angie said, they, they were looking forward to the cross. They were looking forward to what Christ would do on the cross and on resurrection day. See, they were looking forward to the cross. The day Christ rose from the dead, the day he died, three days later rose from the dead, he did it knowing what we would need 2,000 years later. In that while we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an incredible promise for us this morning. He forgave us in advance. Now, for the, for the Jews, for the Old Testament saints, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but he forgave them for what they did. Right? Well, he forgave us what we did before we ever did it. In our case, it's 2,000 years early. 
That's an incredible thing. That's an incredible thing. Striving together in forgiveness, part two is the title of my message. Again, very creative. (laughs) I've never been accused of being real creative in my sermon titles. But let's start reading in verse 23 of our passage in, in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants, which he had, uh, and when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him uh, to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had uh, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. And the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and uh, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee. And he was, <clears throat> and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he pay the debt. So when the, his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told uh, unto the, uh, the, their Lord all that was done. And when the Lord, when his Lord, after uh, that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Should, should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant? Even as I had uh, pity on thee. And the Lord was wroth and delivered him. Uh, to the tormentors till the pain, uh, till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall your heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye uh, from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we again look at this very precious important idea of forgiveness. I ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us tender hearts, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would encourage us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week we talked about the participants of, of of the parable that we just read. We had the the offender the offended, and the king. This morning, I want to talk about the principles of forgiveness. Principles. What are the principles that God has given us? Did I not give you that that point, Chris? Sorry, what? We got to practice. Oh, okay. Um, point, point number two. 
the principles. There you go. All right. <clears throat> I hate technical difficulties. <clears throat> I hate tech. <laughs> if there was no tech, there would be no technical difficulties. Um, but th- seriously, this morning I want to give you six principles, six principles that I believe, honestly, if applied, can change your life. The first one I want to talk about, letter A, is forgiveness comes after repentance. Forgiveness comes after repentance. Look at verse 26 of our of our parable. The servants therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will repay thee. Verse 29, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay thee. <clears throat> both, both servants humbled themselves, acknowledged their debt, and sought forgiveness before forgiveness was granted. The results were different. Look at verse 27. Then the Lord... Of the, of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Verse 30, the second servant uh, uh, was, was totally different. And when he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, the, the, the reaction of the two servants was the same. The results were different. And see, and this is, this is where we need to understand just because we go to someone and ask them to forgive us doesn't mean they are going to. And it is so important we get a hold of this. Because what does God require of us? He requires of us to go and ask. The results are left up to the other individuals. Or... On the flip side, if somebody comes to us and asks, what does God require? Forgiveness. So we need to be very careful because oftentimes we get, we get caught in a quagmire, quagmire um, of, of this idea of forgiveness and we forget that we can only do our part. The Lord, the the master, the 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 king, the certain king here, who had no reason to be compassionate, was compassionate. He 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 had no reason to 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 forgive the debt of the first servant. Other than the fact he just obviously felt sorry for him. The second servant, or the, the when the first servant was tasked with forgiveness, what did he do? He hardened his heart and refused to forgive. And the story, as I as I was contemplating the story of the Christian attorney that I read at the beginning, who uh, extended uh, forgiveness of debt. See, he was set free from the burden of that debt. 
but the the people that 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 would refuse to take those letters would live with that cloud of debt for 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 years what what a horrible place to live you've been forgiven and you don't even know it all because they were so scared of opening a letter Luke chapter 17 verse 3 take heed to yourself if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke or correct him and if he repent forgive him forgive him Letter B, point uh, 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 principle number two. Forgiveness may require repeating. And 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 I I, I just lost about half of you. <laughs> Do I have to? Well, look at verse twenty-one of our passage here in Matthew chapter eighteen. And then Peter came and said, Lord. How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not until, uh, not unto thee seven times, but until 70 times seven. Just keep forgiving. And, and there are times in our lives where we are going to encounter people and, and we, we talked about this last week, but um, this goes against every fiber of our being, does it not? I mean, it is hard enough to forgive someone once. But when you have to do it over and over and over, it, it, it can be difficult at best. But we are required by Christ, because how many times has Christ forgiven us? Every time. Every time. Jesus very clearly gives us instruction to, to go against our human nature and, and, and do what I call live in the supernatural. Because we we cannot forgive multiple times within ourselves. It, it just it, it it's just impossible. We can pretend that we can, but the reality is, we will we will struggle within ourselves to be able to do that. In verses twenty one and twenty two that we just read, by Jesus saying. Uh, not uh, uh, I, I say not unto unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. What Jesus is literally saying is, hey, you need to forget living in the flesh, and you need to start living in the supernatural. It's really that simple. Luke chapter seventeen, verse four. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, now we're getting personal. Now it's not just seven times, but it's seven times in a day. And seven times in a day uh, turn again to thee, saying, 
I, I, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Are you kidding? <laughs> why is everybody laughing? Because we, you know why you're laughing? It's because you can relate. But the awesome thing, the awesome thing about our Lord is he lived what he preached. In Luke 32, or excuse me, 23. My, my dyslexia just kicked in. Luke 23, verses 33 and 34. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. If there has ever been an incident in the history of the world where forgiveness did not need to be handed out, it was that incident. But what was he saying? All the way to the very end. Father, forgive them. The third principle. And I love this one. I don't like dishing it out, but I love it applied in my life. And that is forgiveness is permanent. Forgiveness is permanent. There can never be a time frame attached to your forgiveness. If we say, I will forgive you until, then that's not forgiveness. See, when Christ forgave me, he forgave me, period. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, I want to I spend a little bit of time right here on this particular verse because this is absolutely key to understanding the forgiveness of God. <clears throat> God does not forget our sins. He chooses not to remember them. And, and, you, and you might be sitting there thinking, wait a minute, well, what's the difference? It's the same thing. No, no, no. No, no, it is totally two different, totally two different things. See, if God forgot our sins, that would indicate that God was flawed. See, we forget stuff all the time. My wife yells at me constantly. I know, isn't it awesome? <clears throat> But seriously, we forget stuff all the time. And that is that is what? That's a flaw, is it not? Forgetting it? For forgetfulness? But see, God doesn't forget anything. He chooses not to remember. So that means when you when you go to God 
the, 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 the 600th time in a day and say, God, I did it again. Please forgive me. God says, did what again? That's incredible. Now, we don't have that ability, do we? We, we are... cursed with remembering things we don't want to remember. Are we not? I've had people say to me, but Pastor, you, I, 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 I just can't forgive what they've done to me. And that's absolutely true. You can't in your own self. But what is God, what is Christ telling us to do here? He's telling us to live in the supernatural. And we, there are times that we have to choose to forgive so that we can live in victory. Will we ever forget this side of heaven? No, we won't. Some of the things that many of us have had to live through are absolutely horrible. And you will they will be scars in your mind until the day you pass into eternity. But you don't have to allow that thing to captivate your thinking. You can choose to forgive so that you can live in victory. Number four, letter D. Forgiveness is unmerited. Forgiveness is unmerited. See, the first servant in our story did nothing to merit the forgiveness of the, of the king or the, the, the master. Look at verse 27. And the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He did nothing to deserve what the master forgave him of. And the reality is this, if you are born again, if you have accepted Christ into your life, you are saved this morning, there was nothing that you could do to earn that salvation. It is unmerited. If, if there was something that I could do to earn my salvation, it wouldn't have been a free gift. It would have been an earned gift. But how does, how does God want us to, to forgive? See, Christ freely forgave. In, in, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, uh, as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. How did, how did Christ forgive us? He gave us freely. And that is exactly how we are to forgive others. If we say to someone, I will forgive you if you promise never to do it again. Is that really forgiveness? No, that, that really is not technically, that's not forgiveness. Because it's conditional. Or we say, I will forgive you when you fill in the blank. Or if you, 
See, that, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness has no strings attached. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Christ's love for you is unmerited. His, his forgiveness of your sins is unmerited. And what are we? We are challenged here as Christ forgave you. Unconditional love. Unforgive, uh, unconditional forgiveness. So also do ye. Occasionally I am asked by people, <clears throat> in fact, somebody recently ha- has asked me, Can, can or does God forgive really bad people? And the reality is, well, usually what I do is I ask this question. I ask this question, okay, what do you mean by really bad people? Well, you know, like murderers and, and you know, rapists and, you know, people like that. okay. Well, let me ask you another question. Who defines bad? See, we, we, live in a, we live in a world, at least currently, of laws. And, and humanly speaking, we tend to categorize things that are worse than others. And... In, in our world of laws, <clears throat> uh, if you do 45 mile, miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour speed zone, what happens if you get caught? You get a ticket, okay? But you say, well, but that's not a bad ticket, that's just a ticket. Oh, okay, but who defines that? You do. Because the reality is, if you hit someone and killed them, it would go from not a bad ticket to a really bad ticket. Why? Because you killed someone. See, and we tend to categorize sin. And we say, well, this sin is worse than this sin. In Revelation 21.8, I'm going to quote it. I didn't give it to Chris, so I'm just going to quote it. It says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the, and the abominable and the harmongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Man, that was fast. Good grief. Yeah. But I want you to focus right here. See, we have whoremongers and murderers and adulterers and all of these really bad things and all what? Liars. 
See, what is God saying? All sin is equal. There is no difference. What, so you have to define the word sin. What, is, what does the word sin mean? Anybody? Yeah, all of these. No, anything that goes against God. Anything. And then I usually make a statement like, even Hitler, near the end of his life, could have gotten saved. I don't believe he did, but he could have. Why? Because as horrible as the things were that he did, God says it's no different than being a liar. And Christ died for all. Isn't that awesome? And when we conditionalize our forgiveness, we are going against the very picture of the very forgiveness that God showed us. And we we conditionalize it and say, you know what, if you will do this, or if you promise to never, and you, you put conditions on it, that's not true forgiveness. Because what does that mean? As soon as you do it again, ah, I got you. That's not forgiveness. Number five. Forgiveness prohibits vengeance. Forgiveness prohibits vengeance. Romans chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. See, when we forgive and we give it to God, it's easier to sit back and say, okay, God, you deal with it. But when it's us wanting revenge, it opens up a whole nother door that we don't want to go down. There was a little boy sitting on a park bench and a, a man was walking by and he saw the little boy and he's, the little boy sitting there squirming and just, you know, you could, it was obvious that he was in pain. So the older man sat down and looked at the young man. He says, son, are you okay? He says, well, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. He says, why, why in the world are you sitting on a bumblebee? Well, he says, if, the, the way I got it figured, as long as I sit on him, I'm going to cause him more pain than he's causing me. <laughs> we laugh at that story, but there's a lot of truth in that story. Because oftentimes that's how we live. <clears throat> we 
we figure that as long as we sit on the bee, that we can cause pain to the person who hurt us. We endure the sadistic satisfaction of pain, believing that we're going to hurt the other person more than we are being hurt. Now, 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 hearing the story and thinking about it, it's easy for us to say, well, that's ridiculous. But the reality is everybody in this room has done that very thing. Unfortunately, what we don't realize sometimes is that the healing for both the little boy and the bee can't take place until the little boy gets off the bench of unforgiveness. And there are times in our lives that we just need to get off the bench so that healing can take place not only in your life, but in the life of the offender. And we want to inflict as much pain as we can while we got them. And that's a sad place to live. Jesus, again, is an incredible example for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not, When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteousness. What an incredible example for us. And then principle number six. Forgiveness prevents bitterness. Forgiveness prevents bitterness. If I had to pick one of these principles that is the most important, I would personally say it would be this one. Because I have seen bitterness absolutely destroy people's lives. It is a horrible, painful way to die. Spiritually. Emotionally. And I believe it can even kill you physically. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Don't let any of it be a part of your life. In the parable that we read here in Matthew chapter 18, I want, I want, to, I want to look at two things really, really quick. Servant number one, do we see bitterness in his life? I believe we do. 
Look at verse 18. <clears throat> or excuse me, 28. There my dyslexia kicked in again. Verse 28. And the same servant, referring to the first servant, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that that thou owest. I, I don't know about you, but I see I see bitterness there. I, I see a guy who is out of control, who is grabbing somebody by the throat and who has them thrown into prison until the debt is paid. I see bitterness there. But in contrast, do you see bitterness with the master? I don't. Okay, uh, what I see is a master who is trying to teach a servant a lesson. Look, look at verse 34. And the Lord was wroth. The word wroth here uh, just means that he was angry. And he had, he had every right to be angry. Because he had, he had forgiven the debt of this, this man. Of, of thousands and thousands of dollars. And the Lord was wroth. And delivered him uh, to the tormentors. The word tormentors here just met, simply means the, the, the jailers. Until he should pay all that was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to extract anything extra. He was just trying to teach the servant a lesson of, of uh, uh, uncompassion, incompassion, what was uh, not having compassion. I don't see a man who's out of control. Where the first servant, we see a man who's out of control. And that's what bitterness and unforgiveness does. I want to read you the statement I read you at the beginning. I told you you'd hear it again. And you'll hear it again probably next week too. There is an incredible peace and freedom that comes when we let go of grudges, anger, and learn to forgive like Christ forgave us. This morning I've given you six incredible principles that I believe that when, when we apply them to our lives, they can change our lives. The first one, forgiveness comes after repentance. Be, always be willing to forgive and always be willing to ask for forgiveness. Number two, forgiveness may require repeating. Be, be willing to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. As hard as it is, Jesus is asking us to live in the supernatural. Number three, forgive. Forgiveness is permanent. There can never be a time frame attached to forgiveness. We have to learn that when we forgive, we forgive. Number four, forgiveness is unmerited. There can never be any strings attached to forgiveness. No conditions. No, if you do, none of that. Totally unmerited. Forgiveness, number five, 
prohibits vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And and, and let let me say this. God is far more capable of extracting vengeance than you are. Believe it or not. God is far more capable. And then finally, forgiveness prevents bitterness. It has been said that bitterness destroys the container that holds it. And I believe that. I've seen it. Six very simple but incredibly important principles for us this morning. This week of Passion Week, spend some time remembering the events that Christ put into motion 2,000 years ago this morning. Christ entering Jerusalem riding on a donkey, putting into motion a week of torment and agony that he was going to have to live through for you and for me so that he could die on a cross, that he could raise three days later so that he could forgive your sins and mine. And it's a lot easier to forgive someone else when we remember what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, we are a needy people this morning. And and we all acknowledge this morning that the things mentioned this morning in our in our in ourselves are difficult to impossible but through your help we can do these things i'm so thankful and grateful for all that you do help us dear god today to be more like you help us dear god to learn to forgive Help us, dear God, to learn to ask for forgiveness. With every head bowed.